Welcome to the CP Media Platform, brought to you by Team CP, your endurance coaching specialist. Uh, I am your host, Angus Petrie, and alongside me, looks like his internet's just caught up with us right at this, the right time. Welcome back, Richard Greer, as always. Yeah, how are you doing? Getting on, Angus? It's great to be back. Another Wednesday, we've got another awesome show line. Another Wednesday, another awesome show, Rich. We've uh, just come from a lovely long weekend, which has been good. Plenty of people getting out and about, uh, finishing off their, their month of May. How did, how did you go? Good, good. My month of May finished up really well. I had to sprint to the finish a little bit um, and had to clock in a few vertical, uh, sorry, virtual vertical meters to get across the finish line um, on the on the Saturday and Sunday. I had to sort of uh, stayed around home, did a few home jobs and had to do a good thousand meters on Zwift and then follow up with uh, about 700 or so on Sunday. So I got across the line uh, and probably did about maybe 15 vertical meters that I didn't need to do. So just made, made sure I got well, you can you can put those vertical meters either in uh, in May's bank, or you can carry them over to Ju uh, to June if you if you want. Um, yeah. Hoping that uh, so uh, virtual vertical meters uh, they are on Zwift. How good is that platform? What, what's your compare? I know you're not running a smart trainer that's got all the fancy uh, gradient changes in it, but how do you feel after doing you know that sort of climbing on a trainer? You, do you see the similarities? Oh yeah, I think they're like in working. Oh, Rich, uh, another day, another Kiwi internet issue uh, going on there. So uh, hopefully, you're just going to come back, which you have. How about we uh, roll on? And tonight's guest, tell me all about uh, our man Dan. Right. Well, let's keep rolling. Hopefully, this is going to work well. Um, so Dan is uh, the swimming man. So Dan taught me to swim properly uh, a few years ago, and um, he uh, he runs a whole bunch of different outdoor adventure swims, uh, the uh, swim races. He's swum the English Channel. He swam around Rarotonga. He's uh, he's this is his first winter that he's had for a number of years. So all things swimming tonight, and uh, keen to share some stories mental toughness and what it takes to um, to teach other people to swim as well. Yep. So Dan has a fantastic uh, company, Fit and Able. Uh, he really is the swim specialist and takes uh, tours all over the place, but has uh, within his own created or completed some amazing feats. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring Dan in now to those that are out there watching now. Um, please bear with Dan's got a little issue with his mouth and his voice. Um, <laughs> that being, there's a little bit of sync issue going on. But Dan, welcome to the show. That's not the only issue with the mouth and the voice. They tell me, Angus, it's great to be here. Good evening, Richard. As we got Kui and Kaipoi broadband to contend with, let's see how we go. Yeah, no, sounds good. Good to good to see you, Dan. Looking good. Lockdown has been good to you, has it? Uh, you're also looking very well, Richard. <laughs> I have to fill the gap there, Dan, by the looks. So, Dan, just before we get uh, into some questions and things, how about you just run us a little bit of background about you, what it is that you do, and, uh, and then it'll be quite interesting to get into a couple of things of, of some of your greatest feats that you have achieved because you really have actually uh, ticked off some really substantial uh, challenges. Uh, I've ticked off a couple of reasonable swims. I but uh, there's plenty of people out there that have done 
much more significant swimming than me. Um, main issue for me, uh, swimming addict for sure. Uh, fell into the bucket of the water very early in life and never escaped it uh, ever again. Like to be somewhat damp at all stages of my life. Uh, and I like to share that joy with others. Uh, our primary focus are the kids that missed out. And these days we call them adults, I guess. But uh, those kids that missed out, we like to teach them to swim and we like to help them enjoy swimming, make it fun again. And then no matter what the challenge is, a triathlon, a longer swim, an open water swim, we like to help them achieve that and uh, and goal set and go on to do other things. Yeah, so to just just uh, jump in there, because it's an interesting question as you talk about the, the kids that missed out that, that we should now call adults. What What is the the take-up of swimming nowadays? I mean, when I was a kid, that was what we did. We went through the schooling system. We all learned to swim, uh, had our little swimming competitions and things and all that sort of stuff. Is that still happening to today, or is there actually a really big gap somewhere that's happened? It's a problem, Angus. It's a problem. Uh, I haven't read statistics lately, but I know from about 2007 onwards, when I was reading a few years ago, we'd closed about 350, 400 school pools. It's uh, harder to access your swimming these days as a child. Uh, we know that the percentage of population that can swim is scarily low, competently swim, and I'm sure there's lots of viewers out there this evening that probably have swim journeys they can relate to. Either they're not confident in water or they learn to swim later in life, which is more and more common these days. Of course, New Zealand, the water nation, we talk often about water safety. Sadly, it's usually adults that get into trouble. So we're very strong proponents of water safety, getting the message out there, not to supervise the kids, but make sure that someone competent in the water is supervising your kids because often it's the person that goes in the water and does it. And our joy is helping adults uh, attain that confidence. Mm. And were you were you born and bred a swimmer, or is that did, how is your family a swimmer? How did you come to find the water? Well, if you if you ask my mum, she'll tell you I was about two years old at the old Kiwi Two, and uh, a few seconds of non supervision, and I managed to find my way into the diving well. Uh, before the lifeguards got there, I came up and I was still smiling. So at that stage, they obviously knew that I had some level of comfort in the water early on. I went through swim lessons in an outdoor pool in Kaipo and then I moved in town and trained under Brett Naylor, uh, Olympic swimmer and coach for quite a long time and then moved on to the States, swimming at a, a high level there at college. Uh, quite a few times, just got a bit burnt out at the end of it and luckily I fell into a club again and found the fun in swimming uh, and through that journey, it's a, it's a longer conversation than we've got tonight, discovered outdoor swimming and, and all that goes with that. Nice, nice. And so outdoor swimming, uh, is that, obviously that's not taught in schools, so uh, is that because you live somewhere next to the water or something like that, or what, What? because now that's what your, uh, I guess your uh, expertise is, is, is deep water or uh, outdoor water swimming. How does one go from a pool to end up with a love of, of swimming in the big water? My niche is teaching adults to swim and open water. The open water thing, for me, it's interesting. We're at a unique point in history where we're more removed from the natural environment than we've ever been before. We've got more creature comforts. Most of our pools are now covered and they're heated warmer and warmer than we ever used to be. And we're going through a water safety discussion about that now because even if you're getting lessons or learning to swim, 
you're predominantly doing that in a swimming pool that's not at all reflective of what an outdoor swim is going to be. How did I come across that? I'd always swum outdoors as a way of mixing up my pool swimming career. So I'd always been in touch with it. I've always been an outdoor person. Uh, over 10 years ago, I took a little holiday, which turned into 10 years. You know how those things uh, turn up, to London. And the lovely people at the Turning Beck Lido, the South London Swim Club, swim in a 100-yard outdoor swimming pool. And people ask me if it's heated, and I say, sure, it's naturally heated. First year, I thought they were bonkers. Second year, I thought they were bonkers. Third year, I knew they were absolutely bonkers. But after third year, <laughs> I wanted to be bonkers as well. And what you find out is if you just swim in those temperatures consistently, man, mm. it's outdoors. You it's you don't stink of chlorine. You get fresh air. And whether you're skinny or a little bit more insulated, by acclimatizing, you can handle those water temperatures. And then, you know what, you talk to some of the oldies and they'll tell you, that's all we used to have. I don't know about you guys, but I learned to swim in the car park swimming pool at my primary school and I'm darn sure it didn't have heating then but we didn't know any different now mm. if little johnny's down at the pool and the heating breaks and it goes under 30 degrees you'll have mum going it's too cold for little johnny he's going to get pneumonia it's 29 degrees and where do we compete these days like wanaka has that ever been over 20 degrees for for challenge probably not yeah nice work dan you've um obviously spent a bit of time in, in london back to Oh, we might, we, I don't know whether we've got a second guess what Richard's question is there or not, uh, or Dan, or we just fill the void there. Uh, actually, Rich, fill the void. There. I reckon he's back. He's back. I reckon Kai okay. Boy Internet is beating Kiwi Internet this evening, though. <laughs> damn it, damn it. And I've even even uh, around the corner at a at a special undisclosed location as well. Um, first winter, how's it going, Dan? Yes, this is my first June in New Zealand in ten years. It gets dark at about 5.30. This is strange. Temperatures plummeting to unknown. Uh, I've had back-to-back -back summers for the last eight years. So it is uh, fairly strange, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, conditions getting stable. I'm excited. I was swimming in uh, down south in a lake. Uh, the water temperature, 9.5 degrees at the weekend. Uh, very enjoyable, I have to say. Very enjoyable. So... I'm looking forward to a winter of swimming, to be honest. And a shout-out to, I know there's some people watching back in London right now, shout-out to those guys who it's summertime and they're not able to access open water swimming at the moment. So uh, it certainly behoves us. We've got fresh air and outdoors. Make the most of it just safely, of course. Nice well, work, just, Dan. Just um, quickly there, I sorry, Richard. I don't want to interrupt while you can actually be rolling, but just quickly, thanks, Dan, for taking us international. That's what I take out of that last comment. You've you've uh, managed to pull some international viewers, and I'm, and I'm very appreciative of that. Well, for the last uh, 10 years, for half the year, that's been my family, support, uh, our business, but also friendships over there, and they've taught me a lot about swimming. Some of the things that we've lost in New Zealand, I want to help us regain that, that contact with the environment. And we do it, you know, I'm a great fan of Richard and Team CP, uh, getting everyone off the couch, making it fun. It's, it's uh, achievable for anyone, and swimming is exactly the same. Yeah. Nice work, Dan. I want to I wanna, um, hear a little bit more about your exploits as a swimmer and the English Channel Swim specifically. Talk us through that. 
Yes, sir. Uh, 20, is it 2017? I think I'd have to check what year it is. It seems like a lifetime ago now. I was actually out in the Cook Strait with uh, my co-partner in coaching at Fit and Able, Chloe Harris. She was swimming Cook Strait, swimming in a um, pretty horrendous conditions. I'm sitting in a dinghy with Philip Rush, who if you don't know Philip Rush, he's one of the best Doug Water swimmer, marathon swimmers ever, three-way English Channel, two-way Taupo swims, three-way um, Cook, uh, English Channel, two-way Cook Strait. Anyway, I said to Phil, you know, really enjoying the swimming. He goes, when are you going to do the English Channel? And I said, I haven't got time for it. And then Phil said to me, when are you going to have time? I said, probably never. He goes, dead right, get on with it. So uh, that was in March. In April, Chloe took me on a 25K swim. And the deal was, if I was still motivated and my body wasn't broken and we could get a window in uh, in the UK, because English Channel swimming is quite hard to, to book a spot for, then I'd go. Dropped in some emails, and sure enough, we had a booking for August. And uh, I'm pretty good at getting head down and get training when uh, when I get into these things. So in end of May, I headed over to June to the UK. In early June, I had to do a six hour qualifier, which is a prerequisite. So a, a week off the plane, and then um, Simon Murray, a good friend and co uh, founder of Swim Trek Swim Holidays, said, "Come down to Brighton." Set me on a boat and I swam up and down Brighton in the ocean. I think it's 15 degrees for six hours. Not the most enthralling swim. Just, just quickly there, just quickly there, Dan. You said you had to make a booking. So the is that a genuine thing? Like on the English Channel, like a, a you've actually got to make a booking to be allowed to swim in there. Is that what you're saying? Do they close off to other people and things? Yeah. So I guess similar to a multi-sport event, you've got to enter. Dissimilar to a multi-sport event, you, it's a solo event. But English Channel. For example, you're going laterally across the biggest and busiest shipping channel in the world. So you need an escort. There's only so many people that can escort you boats, and you need one of those. And marathon swimming is having a huge growth spurt in the last decade. A lot of people want to swim the English Channel. Probably like you see up Mount Everest. Hope we don't see uh, photos in the English Channel like we see in Mount Everest. If we did, people getting running over by... Um, freighters and uh, big shipping boats. So yes, you've got to get a booking. Uh, there's waiting lists and people usually book two or three years out to enable them to make the preparation. And I guess, I imagine that's similar to climbing Everest. You've got to plan years in advance, not months. Apart from my case, of course, when I, it's a four or five month scenario, which is a bit short notice. Dan, I was watching you live on the tracker when you did that English Channel swim. And mm. uh, I'm I can't exactly remember how long it took, but you got uh, watching, 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 and then the tide changed, and then all of a sudden you were you weren't making landfall. Um, how yeah. long was it through the swim? What was happening mentally for you at that stage? And what talk us through talk us through that? Uh, you know, I don't use love endurance stuff. It's all mental, and I wanted to say that coming on here, I love the longer swims because you don't have to be as technically as sound in the pool. You've got to be really technically onto it. Marathon swimming, you can be pretty good, but you need to be mentally tough. And I use a mantra for me, I've been swimming my whole life, so I tell myself I've been training for this my whole life. Uh, I had a good support crew there. People think swimming's an individual sport, it's really not. Uh, so support crew in your marathon swimming so important. John Davis, Commonwealth Games swimmer, 94, Kiwi, volunteered his time, and uh, thanks to his wife and kids for giving that up for a weekend as well. He came along, spent an all-nighter on a boat bobbing an English channel. Um, and the water, what was it, 16, 17 degrees. 
it's the middle of night when I start midnight, so you can't really see a lot. You want to be used to getting into the water in pitch black. That can be disconcerting. Um, I'd never swum the English Channel, so and you can't exactly practice the route, so it's certainly an unknown. The basics, just like any sporting activity, your mental attitude, your preparation, and uh, your nutrition support while you're at there is key. I knew John's really reliable. I could, I had a good basic nutrition plan. There's a few stories there I could add in afterward about that. that. But like you guys probably plan for and train for the worst hope for the best and we probably ended up somewhere in the middle conditions weren't ideal a lot of jellyfish out there i, I hadn't been stung before in my life i had been swimming swimming in wellington harbour full of blue bottles and never got stung and then all of a sudden in the english channel biggest from my life and i'm getting stung left right and center uh, can't say it's enjoyable but you just decide just to get on with it and as you'll know, when you're out there, you, you, your mind tells you things are tough. And actually, when you crack on, you're oh, I, I don't know how far I can go. I could have gone a lot further than that. So we're pushing on through. Things are going fairly well. The worst time was after dawn. And John hasn't done marathon swimming. And he saw a freighter, a large container ship come mm. through really cr- close. He said he thought it was a fantastic view. He said, Dan, Dan, he's calling out. have a look at this. And I put my head up and I could see this large ship. I've been swimming for six, seven hours. I couldn't see France. So afterwards, I said to John, that was my worst moment. You're six to seven hours in. You've gone through the night. You've been jellyfish dung. It's, and then it's daylight, and you pop your head up, which you shouldn't do. And I looked for the – I couldn't see France. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long day. This is going to be a long day. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but – for my endurance, I know from practicing, after about six or seven hours, you start to lose all track of time. Mm. So yep. it just starts to blur, and it just I just love when you get lost in it. I know if I can get to that point and everything's ticking over, I can just get lost in the moment. And that happened for the next few hours. And what I try and do, a marathon for me is too long to visualize the event in a short pool swim we used to visualize the whole thing the start your turns every arm stroke know and feel what you're going to do in a marathon swim that would just drive you insane so i visualize the success what it's going to feel like to get to the end what i'm going to do how i'm going to be feeling and when i'm out there and it's tough that's what i bring into my mind i visualize succeeding in it and that gets me through now funny story about nine hours which is when the uh tide turned my mum said she cracked a glass of wine to celebrate. The problem was two hours later, uh, I was still going. So that glass of wine turned into a bit more for her. But what you've got to understand, let's talk about the, the Crook Islands. You mentioned that, my swim there. The tide there is a half metre. So a half metre from low to high. Uh, in Cook Strait, which is from the tide is about two, two and a half metres low to high. In the English Channel, it's six metres Six metres of water is going to move from low to high. So we've got a turning of the tide running laterally. And, man, it's just, you know, you've got to swim it, if you're lucky, swimming at two knots. And uh, that's why you need your pilot because it's strategy about your speed, how you're moving through the water. It's a massive, massive team game and you're very reliant on your team to execute it they're reliant on you just to keep swimming no pauses so then, get your feet going mm-hmm. 
had you uh, previous to that? Did you have any? Obviously, you knew about the tide. The tide was going to be a factor in it as you got there somewhere. Had you? Did you have a time frame? Like, had you sort of strategically worked out if we swim at this pace or we do this, we're going to hit the tide about here, or is it just that is way too far away or way too unpredictable? You just got to deal with it when it when and how you get to it. I don't do the tactics. The uh, we call him our pilot boat captain, and anywhere you do a marathon swim, it'll be a local person with local knowledge. And they should know swimming and they should be able to match up your speed with what the tide's going to do. And they'll make a judgment call. Interestingly, you'll have different pilot boats that will go out different times on the tide for a different swimmer speed. And it, there is a lot of strategy in it and it's an art, not a science. I went on a spring tide, so a bigger tide. Most people will go on a neat tide. Why did I go on a spring? Because I last minute. And they'll only take a strong swimmer out on a spring. It can be done, but you know you're going to have an element of um, yeah. of, uh, of tide to, to battle with. And, you know, I think like any endurance events, really, we don't have a time in my fact, but the, the motto is just keep going and you'll get there. And your yeah. goal is to keep yourself hydrated, motively on your game to keep going. But interestingly, I'll share this with you. Tell me to shut up if I'm going on too much here. But... I found in the 11-odd hours, and I tell this story to swimmers because it really hit home, I entered periods of utter depression where maybe I had a cry, I don't know, but it was utterly miserable. And then I remember going through a feed, having a drink, and then going on, and the next round was utterly joyous and it was euphoric, and this was the best thing in the world. And what had changed between those two moods? Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. No, there, nothing had changed in the scenario, the temperature, nothing. It was just my mind going through these mm -hmm. episodes. So when I, you know, when you tune in and cotton onto that, your body, your mind will do that to you, but it'll change, it'll go away. So I try and talk about doing the physical aspect, the nutrition, all those key things. Try and put your mind up in the corner there, park it there, let it do its thing. Happy, sad, who cares? Yeah. Let the physical keep going and that's what I took into future swimming and that's one thing that I coach now as well to be aware it's going to happen it's okay it's normal but you just keep going it will change regardless you don't actually have to do anything there's a big takeaway yeah, from that yeah. swim so we talk it. about that in, in adventure racing and things like that 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 you go through that uh whether it be adventure racing or and a bit of 24-hour mountain bike riding that I've done and things that you do you go through all of those you're going to have that absolutely rock bottom uh, I remember when I did my first God Zone that some good friends of mine that have done many, uh, they said if you don't cry, or they basically said at some point you will cry. They weren't wrong. That that definitely came. That happened. You went through that. And then the next minute you had uh, legs to carry you wherever you wanted to go. So complete flow. I just want to ask a question. Uh, you talked about the jellyfish thing in you, but... Uh, and actually, first of all, uh, I'll put this link when we put our YouTube link up or the link back on our Facebook of this actual video, we'll put the link to your YouTube video of you swimming the channel that was on um, the Swim Wild TV YouTube channel. But I notice in there, uh, you're not actually wearing a wetsuit or anything. So you're just in your, as Richard says, uh, my that he clearly wanted me to wear some budgie smugglers tonight. We had a small disagreement about dress code, but uh, <laughs> why, why, why no suit? Especially when you're talking about getting stung. Really simple. For marathon swimming, 
to keep the playing field even, we wear a bathing suit. So those that came before us wore a bathing suit. A wetsuit is like a form-fitting set of flippers. It provides buoyancy, reduces drag, and in your swim. Those pr prior to us didn't have that opportunity, so what we do now, traditional, is, uh, and it's, it, it means you've got to handle the conditions as well, is we wear a, a bathing suit, so the swims are comparative. Mm. I, I did wonder that. It's not because we just want to be seen as budgie smugglers. Eh? It's not just because we like wearing colourful budgie smugglers, although <laughs> maybe I do. Brilliant. What goes on at home stays at home, Dan. Yep, brilliant, Dan. <laughs> um, I want to know, like, you've swum around Rarotonga as well. So I want to know, like, and how did that compare? Obviously, quite different. The heat, um, the the saltiness. I think you've spoken about as well. Um, how did that compare to the English Channel swim? Did them within a couple of months of each other, and so it was a great challenge for us. I talked about the pilot boat situation, organising the English Channel for us. Cook, uh, sorry, round Rarotonga. Only two people had done it, and they're in the 80s, and by their own admission, they hadn't done a lot of research and didn't know much about it themselves. So we had to do the research on the tides, work out the di direction ourselves. I had to get my own pilot boat vessel, train the crew, and we had to come up with a plan ourselves, more of a plan than you have to in other supported swims, and execute it. So it was more fulfilling for me because it wasn't just about the swimming but I was more heavily involved in the planning prior to it. And it was a unique swim. So it wasn't just about me, can I do the distance, because I knew I could, but also have we got the plan right, the currents, et cetera. And, and that came into play. And as it turned out, we got it right, but there's certainly some moments of doubt during the swim. Tell us about those moments of doubt and the tough bits. What were the environmental conditions that, you, that were really challenging in the Raro swim? Well, we didn't have tidal current, just tidal currents. We also had ocean currents, and it predominantly runs east to west through there. So we knew we were going to be swimming into the tide at some stage. We decided to do that at the start. Uh, so when I was fresh, make it the hardest. And I remember it's the water so visible that you get more feedback than you do in the English Channel where you can't see diddly the whole time. So... In around Rarotonga, I'm looking down at the bottom, taking one, two, three, four, and to save you some time, seven, eight strokes, and I haven't moved off the rock on the bottom. That's fairly demoralising when you're in hour one of a uh, 30 plus K swim. So the, the hope that you've got it right and you know after hour two and three that you're going to then turn and, and be okay out of that current. A uh, bit more marine life out there as well you, you've got to deal with, but Actually, the more you spend out time, you spend out there, the more you're aware that our biggest hazard is usually humans and our um, own imagination. So uh, tides, big one, the hydration. So for the English Channel, I think I was taking on maybe 100 mils of fluid, if you're lucky, uh, each time. On the round Rarotonga, 600 mils, easily on a... Feed. So being able to be aware of the environmental conditions and adjusting the feeding plan, especially hydration to suit, that was, I think, an important part of success on that swim. How often are you getting the feeds and in what way, how are they delivered to you? We do 30-minute feeds and they're usually just in a bottle uh, in the water on a string because you're not allowed to touch the boat. So you pick up your bottle, get it down. You need to practice 
that stuff, just like our other multi-sports, all those little things are usually the ones that bite you. So what is your feed? How's it going to be mixed? How's it going to be delivered to you? Bottle on a string, nice and easy to get down the hatch. Later on, some psychology feel-good foods. We might bring in a solid here and there. Banana's always a good one for me. I like to keep my feeds simple. But every 30 minutes, one of the key things that we started doing, though, and I think was essential, was we removed nutrition from hydration. So... We had set nutrition principles. We stayed in those parameters quite well. Hydration, they left up to me so I could drink what I felt like. And I think a lot of people often mix their nutrition as in they have nutrition and hydration together. If nutrition's not going well for them and they start to cut back on it because they're feeling sick for whatever reason, then also hydration falls by the wayside. So what we do now and what we did then is we said, right, here's our nutrition, here's our hydration. Something starts to go wrong. Knee athlete starts to not feel well, maybe declines nutrition, has to have hydration. Because we know if that hydration goes, we're, we're utterly coozed. So by separating it, we were able to measure more accurately. And I, I feel for me that was a feeding plan that really worked. Nice. Perfect, Dan. Um, you obviously take uh, trips to, to these exotic locations around the world now as part of your Real Swim Adventures. What have you got lined up and how does that work? Well, we did, didn't we? Um, the world shifted on its axis, uh, 19 degrees at the moment. So uh, we've been in a wobble uh, the last few months. And I know a shout out to a lot of our swim tour operators who are also, and everyone out there feeling hurt. So we've, you've seen, Richard, you know it's quite hard to get hit hard off. One of my ways of dealing with it, I actually backed off social media a little bit and communications. Yeah. I've just been head down at home. We've yeah. focused a lot on our local business and our community here. We have got trips coming up in the future. Our definite is next week, we, next week, next year. Uh, in March, we're off to Fjordland again. We swam Fjordland last March. So we, for the first time, I think the first open water swim group and we really had a good time down there. Got some great open water swimming. Cool. We will be back there in March. We will return to the Cook Islands. Uh, and we're launching Tonga as well. And we've got a few more trips within the South Island. Because as you guys know, we've got so much great swimming to be had in our own backyard. So that's one of our focuses now is enjoying and supporting local operators, local tourism with uh, a lot of local swimmers. So yes, uh, International Swim Holidays, Richard, we will be back at that, but uh, kind of in that hunker down, let's get through this mode, but still plenty to be swimming to be had. Nice work. And what about, um, what, sorry. sorry, Richard, what, what about you, Dan, yourself? Have you got, uh, obviously, the channel's ticked, Raro's ticked, uh, assuming that the world opens up again, have you yourself got another big challenge lined up? No, I haven't. Angus, uh, actually, my big challenge is lobbying in New Zealand for adults, for water safety, for access, and putting all my energy into getting as many adults as I can and experience that they think might be beyond them. I probably will do another swim, but for a lot of them, I, I know I can do it. It takes a lot of time and resources. And actually, teaching is my passion right now, and, and New Zealand's my passion uh, for Christchurch people, we obviously had the earthquakes. That was my trigger to bring a lot of our activities home. And now we've had another challenge. We will get through it. And sport, all the sport we deliver is a great way for dealing with it. Health, wellness, our relationships, our well-being, and what we've got to do to uh, to be better past, uh, past COVID. Mm -hmm. 
Dan, you're, you're really passionate about coaching, teaching, educating people. What are one or two key tips of, uh, that you give to someone that's looking to, I guess, get into, into open water swimming, whether it's an open water swim or whether it's a triathlon they're looking to try and do for the first time? What would you say? First thing is uh, you can. If anyone out there is watching, thinking, I can't swim, I'm a sinker, I, you, I love you, you're my favourite kind of client. We all can swim. We just need to learn the skills. Obviously, yeah, as an adult, we, we, yeah, we have some challenges we need to overcome, and, and we have adult coaches. So we talk and relate to you, and we help manage your swimming in a, a way that suits to the challenges you've got in the way you like to learn. Then see, ask for that help early. And again, I love people that have come through Team CP because they get that structure and advice and they have a plan in place and we'll usually see swimmers 12 months before they're lining up for that triathlon. We will do our best for someone who contacts us a week before the triathlon, but just like that famous American football throw, the Hail Mary, that's what we call that kind of coaching session. A week out from your event, you come to us, we'll do the best we can, but you might have left a bit late. So plan early and ask for help and you can. They're my, probably my top three. Good, good. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's great, Dan. Good stuff. And um, uh, in terms of uh, going forward from here, what's the what's the next kind of steps for Fit and Able? What, what can we look forward to? We This is my first winter in New Zealand. So I'm hunkering down. I'm like, how can we get creative? And so we've got our hats on now. I should have my hat on now. Cover. I need to have it on, actually, to keep warm, don't I, hats? But... Um, Showing people that actually in the UK they swim all year round in all temperatures. The fresh air, the and you'll see a number of groups now proponents for cold water swimming. I'm like, what is cold water swimming? It's the temperature of the water goes up and down and it varies. I could put you in nine degree water and we take you in Antarctica at zero degrees, it's going to be a lot colder. So we're going to be pushing for people getting comfortable outside their comfort zones for longer throughout the year. Uh, we've obviously got our real swim centre, our personalised little 12 metre flume pool with mirrors in it, all sorts of good modes. Great for technique, but we can also mix up the water, rough it up. We can turn the lights out, make night swimming, all those sorts of things. We want to expose more of our local community with so that as the summer comes around, they're not dusting off their wetsuit and getting ready to get back into swimming. They're actually ready to go. So I'm excited to be home working with co coach Chloe Harris to develop our winter program. It's obviously had a few hiccups as the whole country has as we lock down. So we're just um, tidying that up now. But at the moment, we're very excited about the future. Brilliant, Dan. And uh, I think, Angus, you might be able to show us that last photo there um, of uh, finish line, I think, there. I just want to check in to see how the cycling is going. So there's the team. Uh, <laughs> Challenge Wanaka. Challenge Wanaka 2020, the, the team cyclist. Weren't too sure if you were going to do it, but stepped up last minute. Let's go and have a crack, and, and it was a good day out. Well, you motivated me, Richard, and um, you, you always bring a, a great game to any event we do. Look at that man. My legs were hurting there. Um, <laughs> you will be happy suit? to know, Richard. <laughs> where's your awesome guy suit, Dan? What, what's the go there? Yeah, that's a good story, actually. Where's your awesome guy suit, Dan? Yeah, not a good – well, so that was a 90K <laughs> bike ride. Angus, 90K bike ride, total Ks in that program, training included 90Ks. 
Um, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay because it doesn't even matter if it's a week out. Team CP can help you before the yeah, event. Just need to come and see yeah, us 12 yeah. months earlier, Dan. Here we go. I do want to say, Richard, today I was on my bicycle. There you go. Look at that. I'm 15K ahead of where I was for that photo. So uh, <laughs> Winning. Cracking, winning. cracking yeah, photo good. there. So this I wonder what's going to be an that little team. Yeah, 100%. Next time you might be able to bend over and put the awesome guy's suit on, potentially. We'll see. <laughs> Wishful thinking. I have yeah, been stretching the hammies a lot more. Yeah, well done, Dan. Well, you look after yourself. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your energy. Thanks for sharing your, your swim adventures and uh, look forward to, to working with you to support a whole bunch of people enjoying their open water swimming adventures. Thanks for including me in the Team CP banter. It's been a pleasure. Good job. Well done. Fabulous. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, yep. guys. Well, I mean, I can swim to the end of the pool and back, Rich, but that's probably be about it. Yeah, I've ticked a couple of boxes there, um, and I'm sure I need to be back for an Ironman at some stage one day, uh, but I'll need to talk to Dan to be able to tee that one up for me, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I, I'm one of those, you know, that can swim two lengths but then have to have a 10-second breather and then swim two more type sort of thing. No, never been one of my fortes, but certainly have not drowned yet, clearly have not drowned yet. Yes, yes, um, I've probably tried, but I'm sure you look good during those two lengths. Always, always a bit of a splash and a bloody... <clears throat> Moving yeah, on, moving on to what would normally be, uh, again, normally we would be pushing uh, into Kushler's corner here, but unfortunately uh, she can't be with us again. I did get you know a little why? bit of a tip-off, though, that, that um, got a little bit of a tip-off that uh, even our resident dietitian uh, is susceptible to uh, one food burger. So while we're here busy slaving away, bringing, bringing uh, this great uh, production to everybody, Here's Kushler uh, with her feet up in front of the fire, chewing on a food burger. So, and uh, food burger one, Kushler zero, by the looks of that. Correct, dietitian zero. That's a big fat zero. So, but to your food burger, uh, Kushler, because I know you'll be watching out there and seeing you're not with us, that really just did open up the uh, the gin bottle for me tonight, thinking that I've got a free reign of the of the studio. So, uh, cheers to you in Queenstown, Kushler. Good job. I'll, I'll claim the water because uh, I'm an athlete or something like that. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's bring our next guest in, shall we? Let's. Uh, well, actually, just, just Rich, just before we do, sorry to interrupt you. Before we do, we might just do a little bit of quick housekeeping in the middle of the show here. A couple of important things. Uh, just a few reminders that our awesome CP kit, um, yes. the awesome limited edition contours. Uh, that you can see there in pink, teal, and yellow uh, is available now on the Tonelli site and under the uh, CP shop. Um, and orders are due in for this next lot uh, by Wednesday, the 17th of June. So for all of you people out there that saw how awesome our kit was, but didn't actually order in the first lot, and then all of a sudden need, you know, want to be part of the team, please get your orders in by the 17th for those. Yep, that's right. And by, wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. By request, last week, live on the show, we released uh, the latest bit of merch, CP merch, which was our hoodies. And we had a yellow and a pink. And 30,000 uh, petitions were signed. Uh, where is the teal? So we would love to <laughs> lob you with this. There is a blue version for the CP uh, hoodie now available. And 
for you to order these, you must go on our Mind Body app. Uh, all the details are on there. You can order your hoodie from there, and they need to be ordered by Friday the 12th of June. That's great. Absolutely. So get in there, jump in, don't miss out. Don't be don't be uh, someone that misses out. So, um, yeah, good to be able to share that, and we can jump out of the bushes and cheer you on. That's the ticket. You can stay warm or you can look good doing it, as we always yeah. do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Who have you got in the background there, Angus? Well, who would you like first, to be fair, Richard? Well, I've got two amazing people sitting in the background. They're all chomping at the bit. Since we've been talking about our fancy kit, maybe we need to bring uh, someone that's modelling that fancy kit. Hannah G. Hannah, Hannah G. G. You welcome, got your Hannah. ears on. Come in, Hannah G. Hello. <laughs> Hello, welcome. How are you getting on, Hannah? I, I'm good. I'm good. I've got my lovely teal cat on tonight, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, good job. No, you're doing very, very well. Um, so we got you on the show. Like We had our vertical meters for May. Uh, so challenge, how many vertical meters could you do over the course of May, setting a bunch of different targets? Could you do Everest? Mont Blanc at 4,600, Mount Kosciuszko at 2,000. So what was your goal? And talk us through your month of May, Hannah. Um, I think my ego kind of took over a little bit at the start of the month. And I was like, well, you got to go big or go home. So I may as well yes. shoot for Everest and see if I can do it. Yeah. Um, my legs couldn't quite keep up with that promise by the end of the month. Um, but I actually kind of surprised myself in what I was able to achieve in the month that I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how does so what did, what was your end result? I think Angus, you did some Strava searching. Which would you like me to uh, inform you, remind you, Hannah, of how far you climbed? Go a on, very how far did I get? A very very impressive seven thousand four hundred and forty six meters. That is about two thousand more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you did very very well. Well, and how does that relate to previous months, Hannah? Around about. Um. So I think we looked at um through the entire year and it's the second like total like amount of elevation that I've climbed over the whole year and I yep. think the, the last one was when I was doing several training um scoping out goat pass a few times so that was the, the biggest month yeah, yeah. So, so pretty cool. Sort of uh, in in autumn, coming into winter, colder months is part of lockdown as well to be able to get so much done. So, yeah, that that's fantastic. Um, and how have you found that from a training perspective and fitness perspective? And 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 how's that gone for you? Obviously, the poor little legs started to battle a little bit towards the end. But how did you go? Um, I found it quite. Um, it was surprisingly okay to start with just building little bits into the routine here and there. Like um, even just the simple little run on the flat, you've ticked up 12 vertical meters where you think it's flat as a pancake and that kind of thing. Um, so it did tally up quite quickly at the start there. So that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah brilliant. And you were still shooting for Everest right up to the end. But um, but we need to give a kudos to you because uh, you're a paramedic and go and scrape us off the ground when we fall over and, and hurt ourselves, etc. So uh, and with shift work and all that sort of stuff. So it's not easy to be able to fit fit your training in around work, is it? Yep. No. So I knew on that last day that I had at least a thousand meters to go, um, and I just pulled up in the car with the boat on the top, about to jump in on the um, trainer in the garage, and then whip the dog up the hill to try and tick off that last bit, but then work called up and we're like, can we come in? So 
All right. Yeah. <laughs> Safe <the> legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah, we'll give it to you for that, um, for for helping out and and uh, doing the awesome job that you do. So, Hannah, looking forward, what what are you training for? What are, what's 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 the goal? Um, so crazy enough to sign up for Coast again, um, yeah. and I've got a few um, off road half marathons coming out, one or two, and um, the rescheduled. Wanaka Challenge Multisport that's um, coming up in October, I think it is. So cool. it'll be around before I know it. Um, so just working towards those and getting faster on the run, which mm-hmm. my legs aren't liking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. And how's that? How's the running going? Uh, definitely going way better. So I think in the first time trial I did at the start of May, I knocked 12 minutes off my previous 10k effort so i don't think i'll match that when i do my 10k time trial this week but we'll see how we go yeah good stuff that's cool so yeah good to be good to be getting up those vertical meters and uh because we're good to consistency managing it around work and uh and making it happen yeah fantastic nice work cool and um and have you got any adventures lined up in the short term across winter um, short term, probably checking out the local hills. I keep on meaning to do Mount Oxford and things just keep on popping up and getting in the way. So um, hopefully there's some days where it's not too snowy and not too cold to, to get out there. And I've got some holidays coming up as well. So it's like get out there amongst the local hills and do some exploring. Perfect, perfect. Keep adding so in those vertical a, meters. Yep. Obviously with your, what we just talked about before, with your job and things, how, how do you juggle um, – training and and work and life and all those other things is it, is it quite the juggle for you or have you got a set uh, routine and platform that you can maneuver around or um oh, i'm quite lucky in the fact that my um schedule is work schedule is generally pretty um routine i do my two days and my two nights and then i have a few days off um so we kind of plan the longer training days around that and if i feel up to it after a shift try and fit a little something in so with the vertical meter it was it was coming home and popping on the um smart trainer in the garage and trying to knock out 300 or so vertical meters so just fitting it in when you can yeah yep every little bit counts yeah Yeah, cool and and obviously managing your night shifts and shift work is one of the key challenges isn't it yeah yeah making sure that i get that good sleep and that good recovery because that's Mm. all part of it as well Perfect. And uh, and when Kush is not here, but uh, you've been doing a bit of work on your nutrition as well. Yes, yes. There yes. was a lot of room for improvement there. Um, yeah. So we've done quite well and just now trying to carry those good habits, which kind of got enforced on us in that level four, trying to carry them through now that takeaways are an option or popping into the cafe for a muffin is an option. Um, so that doesn't need to be an everyday thing anymore. It's a, just a more a now and then sort of thing. So yeah, no, it's been good working with Kushler on that. Good stuff. That's that's awesome. Fantastic. And I will thank you. Thank you for sharing, and thank you for sharing your fantastic top, and all the best for your <laughs> your time trial that you do this week as well. Look forward to hearing yeah. how you get on with that. Oh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, good good stuff. Go well. Great. Thanks, guys. Nice. Thank Thanks, you. Anna. Cool. And speaking of time trials, uh, we've got wow. our next bit, uh, possibly if we've got our technical man on the buttons there. <laughs> technical, technical difficulty there. Uh, Keith, uh, come in. There we are. Look, there's Keith, oh. and he's and he's had another change of his of his back wall there. 
Well, yeah, a character in our house is in many houses is the energizer, the energizer battery uh, man, and there's a sign taped to it reminding me that um, Sally's faster in a kayak than I am. <laughs> uh, good. Just to remind you, just to let you know. It's important that we have, you know, a team of people around us um, that help us do what we need to do, and part of that's staying humble. So <laughs> Taking you down. my question is, are we working towards removing that sign? Um, Sally's, <laughs> I can hear that Sally, we can hear in the background. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Sally's pretty committed to that at the moment, and um, so she's going to hold that crown for a while, I'd say. Yeah, right. good, good, good. Nice work. Um, so, Keith, you, we want to talk to you because uh, you got together with a bunch of other Team CB athletes on the weekend and said, right, let's push go and have a crack at another 10K time trial. So we did one in, uh, was it Anzac Day, 25th of April, and then this one was supposed to be when the Christchurch Marathon was going to be on. So got together with a bunch of other people and push go. How did you get on? Talk us through it. World War II, said Holly, I think, in the um, in the post. Um, oh, it was a fabulous day. The, the, it was two degrees maybe at, at Titap when we mm. started. There was fog around the hills. It was gorgeous and um, just perfect still running conditions. We had a perfectly flat course, and um, I PB'd, which was fantastic. Oh, brilliant. Good stuff. Um, so first time running 10Ks at less than 39 minutes. It was about 38.53 or something like that. Yep, cool. So what was the team support? What what happened out there? How did how did you manage to do that? Because you can't just run a PB like that on your own. No, you can't. And it's um so it, it's it's not only what happens on the day either, it's the whole environment that you live and work in. Um, but uh, the way that I got a PB was I followed Jake. Um right. who, who also PB'd. Um, Brilliant. and he's made huge strides in his 10k time in the last six or eight weeks, I think. Yeah. Um so we, um, I think we both probably had identical race plans, which was um, um, stick as close to um, 355.4 per K as you can um, in, in the early part of the race. Um, we went out way fast, um, probably 325 um, in the first couple of hundred metres and then pegged it right back so that we averaged, you know, maybe 358 or something like that in the first K. Yep. Um, and then settled back into a pretty good 355 pace for the first 5Ks. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I just followed him. He kept encouraging me. The guy had breath to talk with. Um, and then he um, he blew the gap in the last 500 metres, and I um, I finished about 50 metres behind him, and we were both very happy. Did you abuse him that he shouldn't be able to talk, that he should be trying a bit harder? <laughs> No, I was, I was appreciating the, the encouragement way too much. <laughs> Good stuff. Mental strategies when you're running beside someone, were you trying to just do your thing or how how did you break it down for yourself? Um, yeah, it was because um, I've previously um, um, tried to stick with pretty fast people and blind myself up. So it was yeah. it really was a mixture between actually, boy, I'm really um, appreciating um someone to pace with and yep. um, um, keeping an eye on the numbers as Jake was. I could see him glancing at his watch the whole time and pretending he wasn't hurting. Um, <laughs> and so you got to balance those two things up, really, I think. Mm -hmm. So was there a combination of the two of you uh, talking there to set, set the pace or were you 
uh, just sending your pace to Jake, but keeping an eye on what was going, okay, well, this will work for me, or had the two of you decided you were going to work together? Um, we, I think we both knew that our, our goals were similar um, because others had spoken to us. Um, and, uh, no, we didn't, we didn't actively conspire on our pace. It, it just was one of those beautiful things where it happened um, on the day. Yep, nice. nice. So, Keith, where are you at? What, what, in terms of your running journey, where are you at at the moment? Where are you off to? Uh, where am I off to? So, look, I'm five years into a running journey. I yep. started again running when I was 48, and um, I've just turned 54, so it must be it must be longer than five years. <laughs> yeah. um, Something like that. Yeah. And um, I'm finding myself, I, I'm now strong enough that I can um, – set some goals that scare myself and um, have a chance at hitting them. Um, So I think your body needs a few years um, of just consistency and banking a few miles just to really get going. And I'm I'm kind of at that point where, um, so where am I going? Um, I have this audacious goal of um, being able to run a half marathon in an hour 20. And I still don't know whether I can do it, but you know, another eight seconds per K off what I ran on um, last Saturday and hold and it for quite a distance. And I'm there. So, uh, <laughs> Sounds really easy. It. <laughs> uh, not, at all, not at all. So you've been yeah. working pretty hard on the strength training element, haven't you? And then also you've done a bunch of ultras and, and long running and now you're sort of more focusing on the uh, shorter and faster type running, back haven't on, you? Back onto a bit of speed. And mm. that turnaround out of running uh, three ultras last season to – trying to go fast again has um it's been a little bit testing for a few weeks but um i'm feeling like my legs are ready to turn over again now and and then you know we have oscar um whispering in my ear about these cool new shoes that'll help and um and it's this this whole environment around you with um people at home encouraging you um um people in the running community um helping you with the next tip that'll give you something to try Mm-hmm. Um, and it all just adds up to to lots of fun, really. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, yeah, really? loving supporting you and, and seeing how that journey is going to go. Have you got an event that you're sort of aiming for at the moment, or where's that at for you with with everything uh, that's gone on? Because yeah, the calendar's just way up in the air, isn't it? Um, mm. So look, I know that um, um, I think we've got things like Auckland and Hanmer sitting in December. Yeah. So you know, what are the options around that end of the year? Um, Sally's whispering something about Craigieburn over there, but I'm I'm a bit shy of that 50k <laughs> distance again in the interim. Yeah. Um, and then there's things like um, Buller that I've promised not to do because it's coast to coast weekend, and someone else is working hard that weekend. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, then there's Christchurch in April. Um, and then I'm kind of looking. Well, what about Gold Coast or Melbourne? What what are what are the options there for going fast? So I'm I'm really just looking for some fast courses that'll be fun to do. Mm. Brilliant. Well done, Keith. Good stuff. Anything uh, finally just to share for others in terms of your running journey and sort of what you've learnt over the last five or six years or so? Um, oh, look, get a coach. Get a coach. Um, and I've been really lucky. You've um, you picked me up to do a, a technique session. Uh, after my first Christchurch, and um, since then you've um, just helped me with building that 
you know, consistent um, foundation and keep trusting, keep trusting the method. Um, mm -hmm. And it really is, it's about um, consistency, enjoying what you do and um, maybe even setting some goals that scare you. Yeah, good stuff. And it's a team approach, isn't it? Uh, we work together to kind of come up with that plan. It's not just a do this, Keith. It's like what's going to work and what have we learned and building upon that and um, continuing to develop. Yeah, yeah. And it's what, you know, what fits with your family life and your work life and all of these things are actually, along with training, are stresses that you put on your body and um, how ready are you for that and how much of that is achievable and, yep. and when do you need to balance that off or on. Perfect, perfect. Good stuff, Keith. Well, I look forward to um, helping you out, cheering you on, trying to keep up with you. And um, yeah, all the best for, for the next big adventure. Oh, it's going to be a blast. Good job. Well done. Thanks, Keith. Thank Go you. well in the kayak. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for well joining done. us, Keith. Thanks, Keith. See ya. Cheers. Cheers. Nice work. That wraps up another Wednesday, does it, Angus? Well, I think that's nearly us, Rich. What that's, else is going um, on? Well, yeah, I think just a couple of stats, actually, just to wrap up the, the month of May and our Vertical Meters Challenge, actually, would be really good. Um, we are just trying to find a bit of a winner, and um, I guess it comes down to who's been swanning around and just riding their bike lots. And Brett Layden, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, Team CP coach, runs our Sunday group ride, and uh, oh, I can't remember how much he did, but it was close to like 26,000 Vertical Meters for May. So um, clearly the man's on drugs or just needs to go to work a little bit more. Yeah, well, I, um, luckily for Brett, he was <laughs> technically at work while ticking off those meters. So, uh, yeah. so I guess he's got a little bit of an advantage there. Yeah. One other uh, from me, uh, Dan Smith. Uh, good old Dan Smith, another good meth and uh, colleague from way, way back. Uh, he crushed 10,238 meters. So, and... Um, uh, you know, Dan is one of those battlers that uh, is always out there. He's always just chugging away like a little diesel engine and yep. uh, really surprises you. So, Dan, big ups to you. That's a big number. Yep, absolutely. And I've got a couple more, actually. Uh, Kush the Holdaway. Uh... <laughs> oh, Rich, where did you go on me? Right at the crucial part when uh, you're just going to talk about Kushla. We know. Are we good? Are we good? We're good. I can hear you. <laughs> no, Kushla. Uh, she um, did her vertical meters for May eight thousand, oh, more than Everest, eight thousand eight hundred forty-eight. But it was all on foot, um, all up and down Mount Hutt, and uh, did super well. So uh, probably earned that fur burger. I think. Totally uh, earned it. Totally, totally. Absolutely. So no, did super well. And Darren De Groot. Uh, anyone on our Facebook community page would probably uh, have come across Darren doing lots of different stuff. But I just want to read out some stats for him. He's um, Holosav half marathon he did, 2,445 vertical metres, 49 repeats of that. Um, he did 150 repeats of that during May. He did Avalanche Peak, which is eight, 1,833. Middle Mount Peel, 1,833. Oh, I've just cut off in the middle of uh, Darren's stats there. But, stats, uh, lots of stats. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Uh, basically 18,500 vertical metres for May. Just went a little wow. bit crazy. But, uh, crazy. but well done, Darren. And, and just going back to Brett's, because I've just found it here as we're quickly searching the big wide world web. Um, uh, what you got here? Brett has got here 26,887 metres on the bike. 
and 2,284 metres on the feet. Yeah, the man's a bit of a legend. We've got a trip in August uh, that clearly he's training for. We might have to be a little bit worried about that. Hopefully he's a little bit tired by the time he gets to August. Yeah, I'm hoping he's burned out by the time he gets. And just really quickly, last week I brought you some stats about the Everesting world record. Yes, you did. Uh, just last weekend, uh, not the one that's been, the or during the week before, it was again broken but disallowed uh, a pro cyclist uh lowered it by about another 12 minutes or something but uh so they're like in the 730s now seven hours 30 minutes now or something but uh, a technicality has seen it being thrown out where he actually started in his home village here rode up one side of the mountain dropped over the other side and then did all the other repeats on the other side but was including that first ascent now the oh. rules of the rules of the Hells 500, the, the Everesting rules say that it all must be up the one insane climb. So unfortunately, he's been disallowed, but it has just gone to show that these boys are going to just continuously drop this record. And it's all good training. That's what you write it down for, isn't it? Yeah. Well, to, to you know, to be to be in all honesty, it was really just a training day out for him. Yeah, so he just rode over there and just started a muzzle. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Craziness. What's up no, for you this stuff. week, Rich? What do you got coming up? What? That's a good question, actually. I'm going to offer a run in the morning. Um, so get up in the hills. It might be a bit of weather and things to contend with. So that'll be a bit of fun. And uh, yeah, just uh, we've got kids sport on as well. So looking forward to getting in that and uh, cheering a bit of football, a bit of hockey on this weekend. So that should be fun. You, how good what are you up How good is that to have, to, uh, to have the old uh, team sports back, Rich? I haven't actually got any plans at this stage. I'm, I'm having a sort of a couple of weeks of just a bit of downtime, really uh, getting the flow back. Um, did note that, uh, sorry, a bit of a pop up there. Um, that, uh, what was I going to say there? I can't even remember now, Rich. Actually, it's yeah, gone. Yeah, well, clearly it was important. Uh, <laughs> you were just cruising, <laughs> I think, it was what you were trying to say. <laughs> clearly, it was. Clearly, it was. Yep, yep, yep. So, oh, that's what I was going to say. So, if you are uh, a Team CP uh, current member mm-hmm. and encourage more people to give Richard a ring, call him up, send him an email, do whatever you need to do, become a member because on Wednesday nights currently, we've just actually come from a session, we have a Zwift, uh, Team CP members Zwift uh, session going every Wednesday night. If you've got a way of running Zwift and you're a Team CP member, hit us up. We'll include you in the in the chat and uh, link you to the event. And it doesn't have to be super expensive. You don't need a really expensive trainer. You can do it for a, with a speed and cadence center, which will knock you back about... something like that. So so it's accessible as well to be able to join us. So good fun. And uh, yeah, we definitely know that you've done something, don't we? Yep. And if you get on that and we get you in the Zwift uh, connection, we'll hook you up to the Discord app and there'll be some guaranteed quality banter. Yeah, while you're riding. So, no, while good fun. Right. That's fantastic. Uh, next week, uh, we've got a special guest. Let's throw it out there right now. Nathan Favre is going to come on the show. So, looking um, forward to to talking to him always a really good uh person that has lots of good insights and just got a bit of mana around them written a, uh so we'll have to go and review his book have a have come up with some good questions so if you want anything uh us to share anything ask him anything let us know yep the man is an absolute legend of the of the adventure racing world multi-world adventure racing champion has led uh, a couple of very strong teams to multiple championships over the years. 
there's nothing that that man does not know about adventure racing. He's done it all over the world. I am absolutely just fizzing about uh, having that conversation. Yep, absolutely. Well done. Well, till next week. Well done, Angus. Thanks for holding the show together, and we'll see you then. Yep, tune in next week, same bat time, same bat channel. In the meantime, get over to YouTube, hit subscribe on our channel, uh, click the little bell so that you get the reminders. Hook us up on Instagram, on Facebook. We are everywhere, and we'll be back here next Wednesday. Good job. Well done. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Rich. See you, mate.